I've been doing a lot of thinking lately about the concept of angels, demons, miracles, magic, and more. And suddenly I've realized I have a lot more questions than I do answers when it comes to the realm of angels. And speaking to people, they seem equally confused by the concept of what is an angel? How do we know when we're facing an angel intervention or something demonic trying to seem angelic? Very strange concepts, but when we relate it to the paranormal, the concept that people always have fears that something dark is behind everything that we do and all of the spirit communication that we get, even though some of those are extremely loving messages, are there signs we should be watching out for? Are there things we should be aware of? Well, there's only one person I wanted to go to for these answers. Chaplain Jody Dane will be joining us tonight. She is the host of Survivor Angels, a dear friend of ours, and an author. We'll discuss angels and the trouble with angels when we return to the very best in paranormal programming. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is my Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Hello, all. Let me begin by welcoming all of my darkness angels, all of my darklings across the world. And thank you for the quick response to the purchase of my new book, Theater of the Mind, Tales from the Darkness. These are strange supernatural encounters. The book is out and available now. If you're listening throughout the world and you'd like to order a copy, you can go to Amazon and order a copy right now. Please do me a favor, rate and review the book after you get it and have a chance to read it. And remember, always be kind, never be cruel. I'd appreciate that feedback because the more you rate and review the book, the more it will be shown and more people will be exposed to it. So thank you very much. For those of you looking here in the United States for a signed copy or a special copy from me, you can do that by going to the paranormal60.com. That's paranormal60.com. Right on the front page, scroll down a little bit. You'll find all the information right there. Standard copies, just $20. Signed copies, only $30, plus $7.95 shipping and handling. Get them direct from the source. They will have a special sticker on them denoting that they are signed by the author. And I want to thank everybody that has already responded and the hundreds of books that have already been sold. Thank you so much. That means more to me than you can possibly imagine as I release my first solo book. All right, let's get to it. Angels. I have been asked for years about the concept of angels and dealing with angels. How do we know when we're facing an angel as opposed to something else? And I've always gone on gut instinct and the hopes that I was right. But what if I'm not? What if the advice and imagery and information that I've shared is just off? I know that's scary, right? There are no experts in this field, they like to say, but there are those of us that have spent our lives educating ourselves, trying to come up with the answers by speaking to people in the know. 
Well, a good friend of mine, she is the uh, host of Survivor Angel series. She is an author. As a matter of fact, she has a brand new book out right now called Angel Trippin', and it is your guide to angel adventures. We have a link for that book on today's program guide. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome here to the Paranormal 60, Chaplain Jody Dane. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Jody. Well, thank you, Dave, for having me. I've, I've missed you. It's been a while since we've seen each other. Yeah, way too long, and hopefully we'll be able to rectify that soon. Um, I, I have a striking image for this program, right, where it's this image of of an angel and a demon kind of split down the center. The concept of this really struck me because so many people have asked me about, Dave, when we're trying to communicate with spirit, we know we're not getting the demonic realm. How do we know that something isn't trying to trick us? And I have always been kind of cavalier in my response that I don't walk in a place of fear. Therefore, I don't try to allow the darkness in. And if it starts going that way, if these things start turning malevolent, dark, or cruel, I just walk away. And, and that moment, I'll go out and do some prayers for myself or the location, and that's it. But it has been so rare for me to have an actual encounter with something I feel is truly evil something I, I and i'll even go as far as saying i don't think i've ever really dealt with something completely demonic dark things dark energies but again i don't have the gift of discernment so let's start at the very beginning for people as we talk about angels can you give us a little um, maybe kind of a, a angels 101 on how do we know if we're dealing with something heaven bound or hell bound when we're dealing in the angelic realm and, and that's a very broad question, Dave, in, in and of itself. Um, first of all, let me say, because so many people say, I want to see an angel. I want to see an angel. You're probably not going to see one. Those sightings are so very rare. And if you think you're going to see them, as all of the Renaissance artists depicted them, <laughs> um, have another drink. Yeah. What, they're not Ken dolls with long hair and silver or golden armor waving a yeah. sword above their head for us? Yeah, no, they're not Barbie either. Neither what. Okay. So first of all, they don't look like what our mind believes that they look like because it's what we've always been shown angels to mm -hmm. look like. They're not those cute little cherub, you know, chubby cheek things we see for Valentine's Day. No. Angels, in the sense of, I'm going to call them our good angels, mm -hmm. our light and love angels. They are actually, according to biblical description and several other um, faith traditions, quite ugly. Uh, they might be this little round sphere of eyeballs and feathers. It could be something else. Um, it could have four faces to it. That's what they would look like. I don't know about you, but I have never seen anything like that. What I have. I've never seen anything like that, but it is really compelling that you share that with me. And I don't know if we've ever spoken about my angelic encounter, the, the one that I believe I had, where I actually encountered a being who um, he, he was a craggle faced, beaten up looking old man. And he looked rough. And. Okay. He invited me to speak with him. And as we spoke, he goes, well, what did you expect an angel to look like? 
And he goes, we're on the front lines defending you constantly. We are going to show the battle scars and wear and tear from our centuries or millennia of, of abuse. Um, remember, Dave, that Lucifer and his minions will appear as beings of light. They will be the attractive ones trying to lure you to the other side. You have to be very cautious. And he said, there's a reason why people put gargoyles on buildings and carve pumpkins. We put out the scary things because they're an affront to the demonic realm. The, the fallen angels find themselves to be particularly amazing, and they are uh, disgusted by humans and by these horrific things. They shouldn't have to lay their eyes upon it. And I was just kind of like reeling with this information that was given to me by this being and trying to understand what was being said, but it, it rang true to my heart. But then again, I was like, well, how do I know I'm not being fooled and giving in and understanding what this creepy old man is telling me because I want to believe and, and there's an essence to this, but I think it's fascinating that you say they don't look like you're going to expect them to look. And some might be kind of horrific in nature or, or very bizarre and unusual. Uh, mine thankfully just look like a beat up old man in a, in an overcoat kind of look. Um, you know, there were no feathers. There was no halo. There was no chorus of angels singing as he spoke to me. It was a guy that sounded like this talking to me and showing me his image. It was, it was very unusual, very bizarre. Uh, have you heard of other people having encounters like the one I just described? Yes. Um, on, on, if people listen to the podcast, and, and maybe some of your listeners have, um, I have interviewed people where it has been random people that look like you and me that will come up and give them a piece of advice, a warning, anything like that. And then they turn around and they're gone. I mean, like in a split second, they're gone. Mm -hmm. So angels will manifest in all kinds of ways. And that's one of the pieces we have to remember is angels are nothing more than energy, just like we are energy. And so as we know, energy can take on all shapes, forms, sizes, everything. I have seen angels in colors, in auras. I have felt them. Gen angels are going to have a warm feeling, especially Michael. If you get that warm, tingly feeling, that's Michael who's there. And he, what he's saying in that is, of course, we know him as the protector. He is the greatest warrior angel. As I'm here, I got your back. You're good. Now, you can also hear them. Mine will come through as ringing in my ears. So, and I have tinnitus, but I know I've talked to my docs <laughs> about what tinnitus really sounds like. And yes, I do have it. It's the low, dull vibration that I constantly have. But when you've got an angel talking to you, it's higher pitched and it's louder and it has more of a rhythm to it. That's when you know it's an angel. I had one time. I don't remember what the situation was, but I was, I was, I needed to make a really big decision and I was confused. I wasn't focusing. I couldn't bring things in. And all of a sudden my right ear, I mean, it might've well been a church bell in a belfry with me standing right next to it. Cause it was just bonging. And I realized I wasn't paying attention to the messages they were sending me. So they will get loud. They will get right in your face to let you know that they are there. Now, when we were in Ireland, it was really nice. I met another person. You, you met Brad as well. 
mm-hmm. um, very sensitive young man. And when he found out that I was an angel light worker, he said, I need to pick your brain about angels. So we had long conversations. Well, he's been a sensitive and an empath since a very young age. And so it was really fun because while we were in Ireland together, he would walk and he would whip around and you maybe saw him a few times and he'd just be like, and I knew that he'd seen an angel. (laughs) Nobody else had seen the angel. I caught a glimpse or maybe I saw it full on, just depending on the situation. But so there's many different ways that they are going to come to you. You talked about intuition with mm-hmm. your angel experience and, and other experiences. People poo-poo that intuition is angels in all cases. I don't. I am a firm believer that that gut instinct That is your angel talking to you or angels because that's what they're bringing messages. That is their one and only job is to bring you messages. And those messages are to make sure that the contract that your soul established way back day one is accomplishing, you know, checking off all the boxes of that contract for life. And so that's why sometimes they might be quite gentle with you. Other times they might be more forceful with you. The way that I discern, am I talking to the angels who truly are about me moving down the path of my contract, or is it an angel who's trying to derail me off Mm -hmm. of that journey is what is the message itself? If it is, is something that is going to bring harm to someone else, if it's going to bring harm to myself because it's something that I'm supposed to say or do. And this sounds very simplistic. Um, But then I know it's either a dark or a fallen angel. And I classify that into two categories, fallen and dark. The fallen ones are gone forever. They are just, they're fallen. They're completely separated from our creator. There's no going back. The dark ones are the ones that waver. They'll go dark, they'll go light. They'll go dark, they'll go light. They're they're the fence sitters. And at one point, they'll put one foot down. Another point, they'll put the other foot down. And that's where the messages get complicated because those messages will have just a little bit of this is a positive thing to do, and it will have another point that this is a negative to do. So that's when you don't act immediately on your message, but you take some time and you sit and you contemplate it and meditate on it and see what other messages are coming through. The people that are, are walking in a place of fear, or I hate to use the word paranoia, but I can't think of a better word that suits this, that they want to communicate with that. They open themselves up, they're meditating, they're letting in the energy, allowing it to become part of them. A lot of the fears are that we don't know what truly is there. And of course, I would assume that they're going to start off very love and light. They're going to start off with um, kindness and then start, you know what, Dave, you don't even need to call for me anymore. Just let me in and be a part of your heart. Let me in and be a part of you. And we can do this, you know, and that sounds beautiful. I want an angelic heart. I want to. And then all of a sudden, 
it's time to kill the cat. All right. We don't know what's going to set us off or if there's something darker behind the invitation uh, that's being brought to us. How do we address that for the people that are fearful, paranoid, and concerned constantly that something dark lurks behind even the brightest light? I, I can't reassure them that it's never going to be there. That is not possible. It's not the way the universe works. And so what you need to do, and I have been talking to my angels. I had my first encounter that I remember at three years old, and I've had them all through my life. And I'm working on the second book that will talk specifically about all those encounters. Um, but you learn to, first of all, you learn how they're communicating to you. And like, I know which one is my guardian angel coming through. My guardian angel is Bridget, because I always got the message of bridge, to bridge between this world and the other world or the next mm -hmm. world, however people care to classify that. So my guardian angel is Bridget, and I know how she comes to me, although I will have other angels come to me. And if I've asked for other angels to come to me, I've learned in what way they come through. But that's to me personally, and people need to establish those relationships. So whenever you're calling on the angels, when you need help, when you are trying to make a decision, a career decision, a family decision, life decision of whatever it might be, help decision, the first thing you do is you preface every request to the angels with enlightened love. I know the dark ones can show themselves as light, but they're not going to come through with a message that is light filled. It might be a little masked, but it's not going to be the full bright light. And that's where I say you cannot do a knee jerk reaction to the message that the angel comes through. You might have to sit for an hour. You might have to sit for a day. Maybe you even have to sit for a week just to see what else comes through. But you will start to be able to form the line and the outliers go away so that then you know exactly what your message is and what you need to do. And one of the things that's the hardest for people is right now we are in such a hateful society. Everything, it's, it's just nobody's happy. And so everyone lashes out all the mm -hmm. time and it's like they hate because they're unhappy and yet in lashing out they're just inviting in more and more negative energy the fallen angels are having a field day right now mm -hmm. with everything that's going on and that's where again you've got to take that step back and as bad as you want to lash back at someone instead of internalizing it and go well it's not me i know that's not me no, it's not you. It's them. It's because of the hurt and the unhappiness that they have inside them and all the negativity. And they don't know what else to do with it except to lash out. And that's where the best thing to do is listen to your light and love angels who are telling you, be kind, be thoughtful. <laughs> when I'm on social media and somebody does something like that, I'll just put on their I'm really sorry that you are so sad and unhappy and I'm going to pray for you. And I never get a response back, but I've actually used up. that when I've got people that have lashed out at me, I have actually <laughs> written and said, there is something bothering you. And I'm truly sorry that your heart is in this place. And I'll say a prayer for you. And I 
have probably gotten out of every 10 of those messages heard back from one or two of the people that are like, wow, I, I didn't really think you'd read this or respond. Thank you. And, and I, I don't know why I reacted that way to you. And it is, I've found that showing that kindness over the cruelty lets light into them when they least expect it as well. And it's real easy to have that knee jerk, isn't it? It's real easy to go, yeah, well, screw you too. I don't need your bleep, 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 bleep. And that does nothing but lets them in. It lets them affect and bring down your day when you can respond in a place of light and love in spite of how hard it is. That's when you can start to alter and change things and help others. And again, I don't, I, I don't want people to think, oh, Dave thinks he's an angel worker because he's sending light and love instead. No, sometimes I've done it tongue in cheek, like, well, may God bless you and keep you, you know, and, and kind of a, to you is the, the mental thought, but the words strike them as, wow, you didn't lash out. You, you didn't respond negatively. And it's really kind of beautiful to see them flourish and come back around and apologize. And it doesn't happen often, but I'll take two out of 10. That's great. The two out of 10 people maybe rethought things or have reached back out to me and gone, you know, I haven't liked you for a long time because I thought you were an arrogant prick, but your message was so nice. You know, and I'm like, well, I'm still an arrogant prick, but I wish you well, you know, <laughs> I'll own who I am. But, you know, it is fun to see when you show that, that love and respect back to people when they don't deserve it, how often that is the moment that can be the, the game changer for them. Because another, another piece with the angels too, that I don't think people think about because we are so all about ourselves is in communicating with the angels and receiving yeah. their messages and asking them to help us fulfill our soul contract is that we have a responsibility with that. And that is to carry those messages forward. And the message is not hate, but rather it's love. Now we're not going to have utopia. This is never going to be a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know what I do with that completely, at least not now. But, um, you know, if each one of us was to do that with one person, think of how the world would change. I yeah. mean, it would be amazing. All it takes is us to connect with one person who then in turn, they connected with another and it's the whole domino effect. Agree. It, 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 it would be eye-opening. Yeah. That and, and that's where I think it's interesting. There have been times when I will receive messages from followers and friends around the world that I think, well, why are you opening up to me? I don't know how to answer your question, you know? And sometimes I've just, I've literally looked up and said, all right, if you got something, bring it on. And I just start typing and out comes mm -hmm. this paragraph and I, I hit send. I try not to re-edit it. I try not to rethink it. And I just hit send. And um, that has helped uh, a lot of people through the years. And I've, I've often gone back and said, geez, where did that wisdom come from? And obviously, I know where it came from, right? And, and it was nice to open up to a concept. And listen, I know there are those of you right now that are, are not into the dogma of religion and the concept of angels is ridiculous to you, yet you believe in demons. That's so confusing to me, but let me address this for you. Then speak to the universe, speak to the positive, the good of the universe. I invite the positive and the good of the universe to work through me today, to keep my mind clear, to help me in communicating with others. Don't have to call it an angel. 
I think the angels get it. I think God gets it because God, again, is a name we ascribe to the being above, the energy, the creator. That is something that we've given it, right? There's many names that God falls under. And I think as long as you're doing things in a place of good, it doesn't matter what you call upon, you know, to, to make positive change. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Am I being too naive, Chaplain? No, no, not, not at all, Dave. In fact, I think one thing people don't realize is angels are found in all cultures, mm -hmm. in all religions, going back as far as time tells us. Um, all you have to do is like when you went to Egypt and you saw all of the hieroglyphics and everything, there were angels in there. Mm -hmm. Our Native American families, they have the Thunderbird is generally their depiction of an angel. I was recently in Panama and we went and visited an indigenous community out on an island. They were so very gracious and put their clothes on for us that day. <laughs> I mean, it was wonderful. All of these families, young and old, out on this island. And so they, they gave us just an amazing celebration and welcome in, into their life and everything. And I was able to get an interview with the leader of their group uh, through a translator. And that will be a podcast coming up in the not too di distant future. Awesome. I'm doing some more research on it and everything. But my first question to him was, do you have angels? And if so, what are they? And the translator, before he translated it, said to me, I have never, ever had that question before. And the answer, I don't want to give you the whole answer now because I want people to watch the podcast, of course. Right. But um, the answer blew me away and it had nothing to do with religion. It was just deeply embedded in their culture. And people need to get past this piece that angels are connected to religion. They are, they are connected to creation. That's what they are connected to. And so, however, like you said, you want to look at the universe, you want to look at creation. That's where the angel piece comes in. Be them good, be them bad. But that's where you go to. And I don't think anybody is going to say, well, they don't believe in creation. It's what well, feeds us. It's what clothes us. Let uh, we, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the nature of calling upon angels. Because, again, you know, there's the famous story of the monkey's paw, that with every wish, there comes a curse, right? That if you're not defining what you want explicitly, that you might end up getting what you want, but not what you need and lose something in that exchange. And I wonder when people are dealing with calling upon angels. Demons were fallen angels. How specific do we need to be to make sure that we're not calling in an angel who's like, oh, I'm here. And it's something darker. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some angel moments and miracles that you've actually witnessed. We'll do all of that and more. Stay tuned. We've got so much more to discuss with our guest chaplain Jody Dean, the host of Survivor Angels. And again, remember there's a link for Jody, her book, and her podcast on today's program guide. We'll be back with more right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash p60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash p60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. In winter's grasp, a chilling tale unfolds. Wanted Magazine's issue 40, Secrets to be Told. Al Capone's ghost, in shadows it creeps. A spectral mobster, where darkness seeps. Fourteen signs of a poltergeist's might. Haunting whispers in the silent night. Pascagoula UFO. Fifty years gone by. A cosmic encounter reaching the sky. The ghost train of Tate Bridge echoes in the mist. A phantom journey where souls exist. Wanted Magazine issue 40 is out now. Available from selected outlets and bit.ly forward slash haunted magazine. Don't be normal, be paranormal. Don't forget, my brand new book is out and available now. Theater of the Mind, Tales from the Darkness. You can find links for it at paranormal60.com. All right, our guest tonight is Chaplain Jody Dane. She is the host of Survivor Angels. She's written a brand new book that is out and available. We've got uh, we've got it right on the screen. If you're watching, for those of you listening, you can find the links on today's program guide. It's called Angel Trippin', and uh, you can find that easy peasy. Let's go back into it, Jody. I'm calling on my angels. I'm calling on angels for help and insight. Um, I know you say they're never going to give us. Uh, uh, messages of anything but love and light when it comes to real angels but how how specific should we be in calling to angels especially when people really only know a couple of saints and a couple of angel names Raphael and michael and uh is uh, donatello Raphael, uh michelangelo no those are teenage mutant ninja turtles not not angels but how do we know to call upon and who to call upon to get the help that we need and not have something else work in its stead. Just, just a little sidebar, Dave, when you were calling out the uh, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there is an archangel called Metatron. Yes. Oh, Marvel Comics, here we go. But no, That's seriously, right. yeah. there is one called Metatron. Well, and there's a I, Raphael, isn't there? Isn't there an archangel yes, there Raphael? Is. Yeah. Yes. Um, I work with 17 of, of the archangels uh, in, in my own personal life. And that's what I try to teach other people to do because they all have their own sort of specific niches of what they focus on. So when I am making a request of the angels to just tell me if I am going in the right direction, am I needing to, you know, change my focus, or if I'm completely off base, what do I need to do? I think of it like writing a letter, and I don't know if they even do this in schools anymore, or like writing a newspaper article, if you took a journalism class or something. Um, I go for the who, what, where, when, and why. I make sure that I include those five pieces in my request to the angels, because that helps it to be as explicit as what I can make it at that point in time. The other piece of that is it also forces me to think through what am I really asking? Because there's been times where I've thought that I knew what I wanted or needed, and then as I'm as I'm working through those pieces to make my request, I go, oh crap, no, don't even want to go that way. No, you know, um, it's like, okay, so let's let's just back it up here a little bit and right. start from square one again. So that's the way I do it, and I have found that to work quite well. Um, they have I'm still here, so I'm still good. <laughs> but um, yeah, you you and it's not like you have to be 100% explicit in what you're asking. But again, if you ask those five questions, it gives the angels a better idea of what you're asking. Now, they're also going to go off of that soul contract that you made that you don't have a clue anymore what it is. You don't remember it. None of us do. We just learn from it. And then we bring it along the next time we do this go around. Um, they are going to plug it into what that contract says that we initiated way back in the day. So they use that as a guideline too. The other thing we have to remember is they sit up there at like this council and generally there's seven of them as part of it, not including our guardian angel. Our guardian angel is sort of like the one who is the overseer of the group. They all have free will. So they're in these discussions about us, right? Mm -hmm. Well, she's saying that she thinks that she wants this or she wants us to bring back a message about this, yada, yada, yada. And they sit there and they do their little discussion and then the message gets sent through. Okay. This is where this is going to sound, you, to put these two together is quite odd, but this is where if you're not sleeping, you're not getting your angel messages. It's as simple as that. The angels have these discussions when you are asleep because hmm. you're chill, you know, everything is shut down. And so they're sitting there having a conversation about what they're going to bring back to you. If you're not sleeping, you're not sleeping well, they're back and forth with you because for me, <laughs> I talk to them. So 
get a good night's sleep. If you're not sleeping well, for God's sakes, find a way to sleep better. Well, Jody, I sleep every night and I don't have dreams and I don't get messages and I sleep eight hours a night. Well, are the angels just giving up on me? I know that's going to be messages that I'm going to hear from not necessarily angels, but my darklings. They're going to want to know things like that. And and it's, a, I, I think, a good question. It is. It's a very valid question. Um, remember, we don't remember all the dreams that we have. Mm -hmm. We don't even recognize a lot of times when we're dreaming at night. So the first thing that I do in the morning, because I used to have incredibly vivid dreams, and now I just kind of have them hit and miss anymore, which is good because I don't have a lot of nightmares then either. But um, first thing in the morning when I wake up, I lay there for a second and I keep my eyes closed and I look into my third eye, you know, that darkness that just sits back there. Mm -hmm. And if they sent me something during the night, I will see it. Now, you have to learn how to recognize those things because they could be just a form of something. It could be an abstract form. It could be very concrete form that you see. I've never had one in color except for a couple of times. So that's going to be very monochromatic, just the grays and the blacks and, and all of that. And so you're going to have to look at it and interpret basically what they were bringing to you while you were sleeping. But See, that's, that's how they that's where I get confused. And I think frustrated when it comes to these things, right? When, when mediums communicate with the other side, it's never a clear answer. It's always some rambling bullshit, pardon my French about, you know, Oh, well this, does this mean something to you? And I'm not putting the medium down because I believe that probably is the way the message is coming through. And these angels that are trying to help us, why does it have to be in symbology and things we have to translate? It's a yes or no question. Should I take the job? Should I not take the job? Not, Oh, the chains that bind us are often tied to the sheep that are in the cantaloupe garden of our life. What the f does that even mean? Just yes or no, Metatron. I need some help here, right? Why does it always have to be some convoluted Hollywood BS when it comes to getting answers about anything? Okay, don't don't shoot me for this, Dave. But um, <laughs> because you know what, life's not easy, and so angels are not going to bring you the easy messages unless. The situation is immediate and it's a life or death where they're going to say run or whatever you need at that point in time, because they want you to really think about what you're asking and in turn, then how you're going to respond to that message. So they want you to think through all this, which is really hard because people are in such a hurry. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing happens fast enough. The car in front of you can't get out of the way fast enough. You know, the commercial can't get over fast enough, whatever the case is. And so that's why people aren't opening themselves to the angels because it's not, you know, like that. But let me tell you, if you just take the time, your life will be more enhanced. I'm not saying you're going to be freaking happy all the time. No, sorry. The joy juice just doesn't go all the way through 24-7, 365. But what you will learn is how you yourself works mm -hmm. and how the universe works and how it all fits together. 
And that helps you to manage life better, which takes down the stress and the anxiety and the depression. Still might have those moments, but they're going to be more fleeting and less frequent. So that's why I keep saying every time at the end of my blog, activate your angels. And as you say at the end of my podcast, activate your angels. That's what it's all about. You know, I listening to that, I kind of, something just came to me um, because I thought, you know, if, if God loves us so much, the angels love us and want the best for us, um, smack my hand away from the fire. That's what I would do when my kids do. No, 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 don't. That's going to hurt, right? And then all of a sudden, it kind of hit me in the in the forehead when I went, how many times did I smack my kid's hand to keep it safe? And then they just looked at me and put it back in there anyway because they had to learn a lesson. They had to learn. And sometimes if the angels go, no, don't take the job, how many times are you going to go, mm, but I really want that job. And I really want to, that, that chick is really hot that works at the front desk, or that guy is really good looking that, you know, is, is the manager of this crew. And you're willing to overlook. I have my children that have come to me with decisions. And I, I say, well, it doesn't matter what I think. This is the life you're about to lead. I'll tell you my thoughts. Um, I think this may not be the person for you because of X, Y, Z, but I also know if I tell you not to see them, that's only going to make them more attractive and appealing to you. So I want you to take that step and make the decisions for yourself. I will give you the knowledge I have, and I've seen this type of thing before, and I could be way off base. Maybe I'm judging a book by its cover here, and I would be pleasantly surprised. However, this is my fear, and that's the last you'll hear of it unless you bring it to me again. And, and I realized that I've gotten further with my children saying things like that than I have by telling them because I said so, because right. I'm dad. And you're right. Maybe the reason we don't get those messages as clearly and concisely as we want is because would we even listen? Maybe by giving us the idea to make us think a little bit more about it, take the time to rebreathe it, to reconsider it, we might find that the answer was there. But we had to come to that decision, like like you said, the, the gift of free will, and yeah. you know that that's an interesting moment uh, to kind of like I said, the clarity just kind of hit me when I was talking about that, realizing that that's how I've had to deal with my kids, giving them the message directly. Most of the time, they roll their eyes and shake their head at me, and oh, whatever, old man, you don't know, it's a new world, and then. He broke up with me. Oh, the job didn't work out. Oh, right. And I could be a jerk and say, I told you so. Or I can say, all right, well, what did we learn from that? And what can we do to go forward and find something better? Right. Like yeah. the angels have, have the free will to change in that discussion that they have about us, up, you know, wherever they're at their energy, you know, we have the same freedom of options ourselves of what we do with everything that they bring us. And again, it's all about fulfilling that contract. And if we choose to go another direction, then it just means it's going to take us a little bit longer to fulfill that contract. A good friend uh, posted a thing on TikTok this morning. How many more years does she have to live? I had to laugh because it's right about the, it said 300 more years. And I messaged her and I said, Betsy, you got to get with the contract. <laughs> Well, talk to us about the contract, because 
a lot metaphysicians, uh, religious leaders, people like that kind of talk about this soul contract that we create before coming to this lifetime. To me, that seems pretty shady. Uh, and again, I'm going to keep being the devil's advocate here, if you don't mind the twist of the term. But to me, that's kind of a dick move. Um, making me sign this contract, I'm obviously agreeing to come into this life to experience these things. But once I put my hand on the fire and realized, oh, this sucks. Why should I have to keep learning that lesson over and over again? Why can't I say, let's, uh, all right, angels, God, universe, Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, whichever turtle's listening right now, I don't want this path anymore. I would like to renegotiate the outline of my contract, and I would like to start having a better experience. And, you know, does it come then with a barter and trade system? Do I have to say, listen, God, Donny Osmond, Ronald McDonald, whatever I pray to, I want a different experience. The experience I signed on for, I've learned enough lessons. I, I don't want any more ass kicking. Help me have a better experience and I will praise you. I will make sure that everybody knows that you exist because you've heard me. I, is that a non-negotiable trait? What are your thoughts? My, my thoughts are the, the contract is made, was made, I should mm -hmm. say, way back so far, we can't even fathom how far back it was made. And it really was made at the very beginning of time when good and evil were not even options. It was just, this is, this is the way my life will be. If the contract's put in front of us, make sure it's okay. Because we don't know anything then, we're like, sign off. Right, but then now, that means that these contracts were written at the time when God was like, hey, if you mix cotton and polyester, you're going to hell. You should be stoned. Hey, Jody, if you're menstruating on a Saturday and you go into the water, you should be stoned to death. Gentlemen, if you plow the fields backwards on a Sunday while wearing cotton underwear, death to you, heathen. All right. So it seems like some of the rules and laws that were written in the past are archaic insanity. And if we've signed on to an agreement, which that was the only law we knew at that moment, isn't it time to reassess the contracts that we've signed? And maybe Dave Schrader, attorney at law, should, well, at law, my voice is cracking just thinking about it. Maybe I, I, I want to lead this charge, Dave Schrader and the world versus the universe to renegotiate our contracts. I, I know it sounds like I'm joking. I'm not, Jody. No. If it was written before time, before life, when other rules that were given to us are complete nonsense, then why are we still adhering to those rules and these contracts? Those rules that you talk about, Dave, came, how should I say, into the world um, after the humans actually were created. So let's, if we're going to talk biblically, let's say after Adam and Eve, okay? Mm -hmm. So biting that apple, <laughs> that started everything to spiral out of control. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, we have good, we have evil. Up until that point, there was just paradise. So mm -hmm. when the contracts were made, it was to live in paradise. Now, as far as all of those things that you mentioned, those were beliefs 
that humans, even though some believe God inspired, I'm not going to go down that path today, um, is what it took to lead a holy life. Okay, well, once you had Adam and Eve in the garden, the holy life is gone. It's right down the toilet. So there's no point in trying. The whole Old Testament is about everybody trying to get there. And as we all learn, it took the New Testament to finally get it right. If you're going to go that, that direction. So the contract is nothing specific. It's very general. But as part of that contract, it was to learn lessons to be more productive in life, to be more giving in life, to be more loving in life. So therefore, with the free will, if you choose to go a path that gets you kicked in the shins, that's on you. You didn't listen. You had options. You didn't listen to the one that you should have listened to. And so now you got to make a circle back around at some point and go through another situation where you're either going to learn from it or get kicked in the shins again. And that's where like when Betsy gets the message another 300 years, it's like she's going to get kicked in the shins a few more times. Because um, what happens is the way I understand it is each time that you come back around, you start moving up in the way that we understand it, up in the realms, mm -hmm. the dimensions, some people would call it, until finally you have learned enough of those things in life that satisfy your contract, that you are up there, I call it the seventh realm. Um, it's the closest to the throne, the creator, whatever you believe it. And at that point, your soul stops coming back. And then you just get to hang out and help other souls. At that point, then, you have the wisdom and you get to be the helper from another dimension. I like that. You know, another thing that kind of struck me here is a saying, uh, and, and it, it really just kind of resonated with me thinking about this. You think about, well, these lessons I've learned and I keep, well, why do why does God keep putting difficult jerks in my way? Why do I have to keep dealing with these moments of learning? And maybe again, not even maybe, right? It becomes how you look at and examine a moment because maybe God didn't put Jody Dane in a bad mood in my way today to be obstructive to me. God put Jody, put me in Jody Dane's way to help her, to be the light in a moment when she was facing darkness or uncertainty. So maybe if we take that step to elevate our consciousness and what we are by saying, you know, I can react one of two ways with anger, frustration, hatred, whatever, or patience and love in this moment. And whoa, Jody, that's kind of coming on strong. What, uh, What's bothering you today? Is there something? I know, obviously, I might have done something that upset you, and I'm not trying to diminish that, but is there something else behind this? Because usually you're the type that would just come to me and say, hey, Dave, that really bothered me. You lashed out. What can I do to help that? And we can move through this. And maybe if we start approaching things in the light and in ways like that, um, 
instead of looking at it as though the burden has been put in front of us, we can look at it as though we've been put in front of the burden to help that issue. Um, maybe that's the angelic intervention. You said that people at the beginning of this episode said people say that angels make their way into their lives left and right um, and find ways. And it could be just somebody like you and I, and it very well could be you and I not knowing that we are an angel in that moment. Greg Lawson, the paranormal detective who's appeared on the show, uh, on our, on our new show and such has talked about the fact there have been times in his law enforcement career when he has had to deal with something horrible and somebody has seen him as an angel, not just as, wow, that guy's an angel. He really helped me out, but they saw fiery wings, halos, whatever it was. Something told them that this was a game changer. And obviously Greg is no angel. He is a human being, but in that moment he became what needed to be seen in order to accomplish a moment. Absolutely right. And that's what my blog was about today is we have to start changing our perspective. And instead of always falling to the negative side of a situation to start falling to the positive side and to start looking through a positive lens. Um, my first husband was St. Paul police officer for almost 40 years. And I used to do ride alongs regularly once a year with him because I wanted to know what his job entailed. Um, mm -hmm. They're, they're frontline for us. And so in order, you know, for me to help him, I needed to know that piece. There was one night when I rode along, I could never ride with him. It was against department policy. And so I rode with one of the female officers who was also a very good friend. And we got a call to a woman who was trying to boil her sister's baby in hot water. Holy and God. Lenore and I are just looking at each other like, oh, holy crap, you know, wh what are we going to find? Well, there were three squads that, that, you know, rolled up on it. Excuse me for using their vernacular, but it becomes really easy when, you know. Um, so it, it was four male officers and then Lenore, of course, I'm just a bystander because I'm a ride along. This apartment and this young woman, she's she's on crack cocaine. She, there is no sense of reality for her whatsoever. She's still holding the baby close to the stove, but she's not holding it over this pot of boiling water that she had. And her poor terrified sister is just standing there screaming at the top of her lungs. I mean, the chaos was insane. And my heart's, you know, going a mile a minute. And so um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was calling in angels because in any of my traumatic situations, even though I might not realize I'm doing it, I learn afterwards as I think back through it and process it, that that was what I was doing. It took all four of those male officers and the female officer to get the baby away from her, get her out of the apartment and get her into the squad car. And they put her into the back of our squad car since, since we were two females. And she's in the back seat. And of course the cage is there and she's mumbling and she's just sitting there mumbling. She was in handcuffs. They were able to get her in handcuffs and we are heading down to uh, the, the jailhouse, but there's also a mental health uh, component to it too. So if it's needed, they can just take them to the same place. But all of a sudden I realized what she was saying. And so I kind of said under my breath to Lenore, I said, do you hear what she's saying? 
And Lenora said, oh my God, she's reciting the Lord's Prayer. And she was, she was in the back seat, no reality whatsoever. And she over and over is repeating the Lord's Prayer. Now, I don't say this because we're talking about angels, but I'm saying they, the angel to her, a piece of reality that she knew. And I can only imagine that in her totally confused mind, that was the only thing that made sense to her at that moment. That was a miracle for me. I just, boom, totally mind-blowing. I will never forget it as long as I live. Something was trying to bring her back. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. I, I want to mention real quickly, and we'll talk a little bit more about some other miracles. Um, you do amazing live events. You've got some that are coming up uh, to help people, to make people realize they're not alone. Uh, your Survivor Series, and that's going to be taking place. We have a link to your website and your information on today's program guide, and uh, you're going to be doing that as well as your podcast, which, gosh, how many years have you been doing uh, Survivor Angels now? Well, it's in the eighth season. Of course, we do a couple seasons a year, so eight seasons we're on. Uh, started out the first three are only available audio. And and then because a good friend of mine, a psychic medium said, no, got your face out there. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yes, really? So, so we went video so that it's on YouTube and Spotify video now, now as well. Um, Survivor Angels was created for people who struggle with life or who have been through traumatic events. The angels and myself, and this is the message angels brought me, is that you are only a victim in the moment that the, the traumatic experience happens. Once that moment is passed, you are then a survivor. Our media and our culture don't want us to believe that because then they can push pharmaceuticals on us and everything else. Mm -hmm. Where we within ourselves have the capacity to move past that into the survivor mode. And so that's what Survivor Angels does, is it shows you how you can, you with the uh, help of your angels, you can get those messages and that guidance to get you started. It is not a substitute for professional therapy, though. I want to put that out there. Right. I am not a professional therapist. I'm a life coach, an intuitive empath, angel light worker. I don't know how many more hats should I wear? <laughs> but um, I am not a professional therapist. I have good friends that are. Um, as part of these live events that we're going to do, in-person events, um, there will be a psychotherapist there. There will be a psychic medium there. Of course, I will be there um, as pastor, chaplain, whatever. <laughs> when I started this, it popped in my head. Angels have a sense of humor. <laughs> they said, you have a psychic, a psycho, and a pastor walk into a room. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when their sense of humor comes out mm -hmm. because they have no agenda. No political right. agenda, no personal agenda, no religious agenda. So love the angels. Um, but then I also bring in like uh, regenerative wellness practitioners and yoga and meditation teachers. And then people who have those inspirational stories who have walked through that fire like many of our attendees have and tell their personal story and tell how they were able to manage it and get through it and to the place that they're at. So... This is how we call them survivor summits, and that's that's what they do. And we're trying to gear them for specific groups. We have the general one, overcoming trauma, 
um, we have the grief and loss one. There will be one for uh, first responders, law enforcement, military veterans, and the list goes on and on. And of course, people can find that on my website. And then, you know, I like to bring in a lot of those people on my podcast too, like you were one. Everybody, you need to listen to the one I did with Dave. If you haven't heard Dave's story, it's an incredible story. Thank so you. look, look that one up. Let people know what's your website again. Chaplain Jody, Jody with an I mm -hmm. dot M E like in me. Okay. And we'll again, have that link up on today's program guide so that you can find Jody and the work that she does much easier. Uh, I know we're close. We're, we're at the hour uh, point here, but let's, uh, let's go push it to the director's cut and give a few more minutes here because I want people to have some um, cool stories to go out on with miracles and uh, angelic interventions. What are a few of your favorite stories that you've gather, gathered over the years? Oh, well, it, not even one that I gathered. Well, I suppose I gathered it. I saw it this morning on social media where this woman was out paddle boarding and um, a go uh, what what the shamu whales i forget what they're called um came up alongside her paddleboard and literally was playing with her and another one came in if you can find this on social media go and watch it but it was such a beautiful interaction um of intelligence and curiosity and respect that happened the paddleboarder just sat there so very still and it's a beautiful thing to watch. That is a miracle. And the other thing that I want to say about miracles um, up front here is that life in itself is a miracle. When you start talking about all the paranormal things that Dave talks about and the angels like I do, you can't help but believe that life is a miracle. And there's a lot of people that don't have the option of growing old in this life, which tells you even more um, how truly amazing this is. When I was four years old, we were at a family reunion. And of course, I'm down at the playground with all the kids and the adults are all up in the pavilion. And I wanted to swing. And I got to standing too close behind the kid who was singing. And I got clonked right between the eyes with the swing. Well, I got knocked out. And so they took me into the closest hospital. And when I came to, because I was out the entire time, which had, of course, my parents quite worried. Um, I thought I'd gone to heaven. That was the first thing I said to my mom is I said, did I go to heaven? And she's, no, you know, you're just in a hospital. And I think part, part of the reason I thought that, and my mom and I have talked about this, my mom is 95 and still alive, believe it or not, sharp as a tack. Um, it was a Catholic hospital. And so all the nuns were standing around me. They were all dressed in white. I probably thought they were angels. But my mom and I have talked recently, and she confirmed what I knew then. When I thought I'd gone to heaven, it was because I saw the angel light, not the light to cross over, but just the angels surrounding me. It, there was a glow in that room that I have never seen since. That's the only time I've seen it. And my mom saw it too, and she never anything to me about it. And she confirmed it now. And she said, yes, she said, you are surrounded by angels. That is a miracle. Very cool. Very well, cool. Now, yeah, I, I, of course I do. I, I'm just curious, I, I, without leading you down the path, when people have talked about having a physical encounter, being touched by an angel, has there been one common thread in that description to you? 
that has stood out at all? The, the common thread that that maybe I maybe specific believe. what it feels like, what it actually the tactile sense feels like. Oh, sorry, I, I was going to go a different way. Thank you for clarifying. Right. Yeah, that's what um, I want to check. Um, it feels like first of all, you know how those doctors' offices are so cold. Mm -hmm. People will tell me if, if they're going in because they think that maybe there might be something wrong. So especially as we get older, that kind of becomes our mindset going to the doc. Oh, God, what are they going to find? Right. Um, you get in there and once you kind of get seated, you're no longer cold. The cold goes away. And to me, that's the angels, especially Michael. He's the protector. He's big warrior saying, we're here. We've got you. And so just take it one step at a time. It's like a calming reassurance. Get very anxious. The anxiety seems to sort of dissipate a little. It might not go away completely, but it will, you know, diminish. That's what I hear from people. And even from people like um, cancer victims, not victims, cancer survivors, sorry, <laughs> Didn't want to use that common term. Um, cancer survivors, that each time they go back in for that checkup, checkup, that apprehension comes back. But they will say, nope. They get in there and it's like, it's all going to be good. And it's not even if the news is good. They know that they will be able to handle whatever is going to be presented to them. So that's a key piece is people need to learn um, to be open to those messages. It might not always be what you want to hear because in light and love, that's not perfection. It just means it's what's best for you at that point in time that is going to keep you on that path. What about, uh, like I said, kind of more into the tactile sense of, does it feel like flesh and bone when you come into contact with an actual angel, not somebody like you and I working in a good place, helping somebody, but you know, when you come into contact with one of them, one of the angels, is there any specific sense? I've heard a few people that are unrelated, unknown to one another, explain it the same way to an experience I had. And I'm just curious, um, when it comes to that, does it feel like flesh and bone? Um, there are times, and again, it's all how you receive the angels because everybody mm -hmm. is different, um, where it will feel like someone actually does put a hand on your shoulder mm -hmm. or on your back, um, or maybe puts a hand over your hand. So yes, you might actually feel more than energy, even though that's really all it is, but that's also what your brain is telling you as you feel that energy is there is someone there that you are feeling as if it were flesh and bone. So that is possible for that I, to take place. The, the pressures, the things like that. I've diving into this and talking to some people when they felt those moments of being afraid and alone and call upon something and suddenly they feel held or touched, you know, it's felt like a warm vibrating energy for a lot of people, including myself. I, you know, one of my uh, experiences that I had where I 
think I was dealing with my a visitation for my grandfather, a dream visitation, when I don't remember ever having tactile feel in dreams, but at the end when we hugged each other, it felt like I grabbed a shaft of vibrating energy air that was like like what you would expect the transporter beam to feel like from Star Trek, right? Um, and uh, I, when I snapped back from it and looked at my grandfather, he said, oh, I'm sorry, you're not used to that. Okay, here. And then he gave me a hug and he felt like flesh and bone. But then I thought, as I started hearing from other people about angels, I, I thought, huh, maybe that wasn't so much my grandfather that came back to me. Maybe it was an angel taking a form of something recognizable to help me through the moment because if it showed up with you know big wings in a in a halo am i gonna think man i'm high or i really gotta stop eating before bed right uh you know ascribing to something that it is not um but in that moment it appeared as something that is more readily accessible to give me a message i'm more likely to listen to our good friend sarah lemos Psychic medium, mm -hmm. Sarah Lemos, her and I are doing a special series within Survivor Angels. It's called Unveiling Visitants. And uh, two of them are out there, two more to come. And one of them that's coming up is on Imaginary Friends. And one of the things we talked about with Imaginary Friends, who 65% of the population believes that they have had an imaginary friend, um, that those imaginary friends were angels. It's one of the things that we bring up. Um, the other piece, oh, and it just went out of my head. Um, oh, I was in a very dangerous situation when I was in the military out in D.C. And I'm not going to go into what the situation was, but I needed to leave. And I, I, it took me a while to figure it out in my young naivete. And um, I know the angels were telling me, get out, you need to leave, get out, you need to leave. Until finally, one of them actually kicked my leg off of the bar stool so that my foot hit the floor. And it was like, what? And I caught the look of another person's eye that I was with. And it struck sheer terror in me. And at that point, I knew the angel was right there. And I felt this tug, like it was saying, let's go. And I got out of there and thank God, because it would have been a really, really terrible situation. If I would have stayed, we probably would not be sitting here talking today. Let's put it that way. Wow. Available now, the new book, Angel Trippin'. It's available from uh, Chaplain Jody Dane. We have a link for it up on today's program guide, a couple of cool miracle stories, interesting aspects of what the, uh, the angel realm is like, and then calling on them. Um, should, as we head out, last question for you, should we feel guilty about calling on angels, on God, on Christ, whatever the energy is that we call upon? Because I, I will tell you, there are people that have come to me that have said, I just feel dumb asking God for help on this. Like he has enough problems with all the rest of the things going on in the world. My petty problem feels so small and insignificant. Um, that's a real fear for a lot of people. And I've had people, uh, you know, they ask me to pray and I've mentioned it on other shows and I've often thought, you realize I'm just an idiot with a podcast, right? What do you, why do you want me to pray? And it's because they say to me, because I don't know what to say. I don't know what words to use. So will you pray for me? And a lot of times I'll record the prayer to give to them. And, and I just open my brain. I try not to think, I just say the prayer that comes out of me and hopefully the words that I say fulfill the needs that they have in, in doing it. And I've, I've felt that, whereas that was always kind of a weird 
not a burden to me, but like a, Ooh, I feel like I'm stepping in the grounds I shouldn't be in. But I've also remembered those moments of, I don't know what to say. How do I pray? What, how do you bow your head before a powerful entity and say, I need you, please be here for me right now. And if you don't know those words, there's no harm. I feel in asking someone to pray intercess for you. Right. And that's why we ask for the angels to intercess in our lives and make these differences. Um, so this is turning into a much bigger question, but overall, how do we get over that fear of asking? And is it okay to ask for help from angels and God and, and the universe, or should we just save it for the really big asks? Oh, no, 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 not at all. And you hit the nail right on the head, Dave. Angels created for the very reason you just mentioned, because we all don't feel worthy of going to God, our creator, whoever you believe that to be, that energy to be, um, that we're just, you know, because we know we've done and said bad things. And so it's like, who am I to ask? That's why in that infinite wisdom and mercy, angels were given to us as gifts for those messages to carry them forward and to bring them back. And so don't hesitate. Like I said, the main criteria when you talk to them is say in light and love, start it in light and love, because it's not just to kind of keep the dark and fallen angels away, but it all put you in the right frame of mind for the ask. And just think of who, what, where, when, and why in that ask, and it'll all make sense. And there you go. Activate your angels. Jody, thank you so much for coming on and spending a little time with us. Please, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you go check out Jody's website, check out the upcoming events. And remember, you are encouraged when you attend to feel free to be a part of them, to state your stories, to share, but you're not required to. You can just go and be in attendance and hear other stories. So you realize you are not alone, that you are not in a world where you are the only one feeling these types of pain. So please take advantage of great programs like this, where there has been thought and love put in behind them. Jody, I appreciate you very much as a friend and as a mentor, and thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us tonight. Thank you, Dave. I love you to death. I can't wait till I can hug you again. I look forward to it as well. Thank you all for coming here and spending some time with us. And may the darkness around us be just a little bit more light with the information that we share. It is my sincere hope that whatever you're going through in your life right now, you find a way to find peace within yourself. Sometimes it's giving yourself permission to be kind in a place where you don't feel like being kind. Sometimes it's giving yourself permission to forgive yourself for times that you have not been kind to yourself and to others. It is never a bad time to hit that reset button in your life, to ask for help. And please do that. Whether you're praying to the universe, to God, or whatever belief system you're a part of, I think if you open your heart with purity and intention to learn from the divine and to evolve, I believe that you will get there. My prayer for you is that whoever watches this show, that you get information, insight, clarity, and a sense of family so that you never, ever have to feel alone again. Thank you for making me part of your journey, and may you all be blessed 
by whatever power and energy that you do believe in. God bless, my friends. And we'll see you again here on Wednesday with the Paranormal 60 News Crew. I'm Dave Schrader, and this, this is my Paranormal 60. Paranormal 60.